Welcome to Bite at a Time Books Behind the Story, where we answer the questions you have about your favorite classic authors. What inspired your favorite author to write their novels? What was going on in the world at the time? Follow along with us as we tell you what was happening in the world while your favorite authors wrote your favorite classics. My name is Bree Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes, but also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show and YouTube, where we have special behind the narration of the episodes. We're part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear a book by the author, check out the Bite at a Time Books podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we'll be talking about the middle years of Charles Dickens. In December 1845, Dickens took up the editorship of the London-based Daily News, a liberal paper through which Dickens hoped to advocate in his own words the principles of progress and improvement, of education and civil and religious liberty and equal legislation. Among the other contributors Dickens chose to write for the paper were the radical economist Thomas Hodgkin and the social reformer Douglas William Gerald, who frequently attacked the Corn Laws. Dickens lasted only ten weeks on the job before resigning due to a combination of exhaustion and frustration with one of the paper's co-owners. A Francophile, Dickens often holidayed in France, and in a speech delivered in Paris in 1846 in French called The French, the First People in the Universe. During his visit to Paris, Dickens met the French literary Alexandre Dumas, Victor Hugo, Eugene Scribe, Theophile Gautier, Francois René Chantebrand, and Eugene Sue. In early 1849, Dickens started to write David Copperfield. It was published between 1849 and 1850. In Dickens's biography, Life of Charles Dickens, 1872, John Forster wrote of David Copperfield, underneath the fiction lay something of the author's life. It was Dickens's personal favorite among his own novels, as he wrote in the author's preface to the 1867 edition of the novel. In late November 1851, Dickens moved into Tavistock House, where he wrote Bleak House, 1852-53, Hard Times, 1854, and Little Dorrit, 1856. It was here that he indulged in the amateur theatricals described in Forster's Life of Charles Dickens. During this period, he worked closely with the novelist and playwright Wilkie Collins. In 1856, his income from writing allowed him to buy Gad's Hill Place in Higham, Kent. As a child, Dickens had walked past the house and dreamed of living in it. The area was also the scene of some of the events of Shakespeare's Henry IV, Part I, and this literary connection pleased him. During this time, Dickens was also the publisher, editor, and a major contributor to the journal's Household Words, 1850-1859, and All the Year Round, 1858-1870. In 1854, at the behest of Sir John Franklin's widow, Lady Jane, Dickens viciously attacked Arctic explorer John Ray in Household Words for his report to the Admiralty based on interviews with local Inuit, that the members of Franklin's lost expedition had resorted to cannibalism. These attacks would later be expanded on its 1856 play, The Frozen Deep, which satirized Ray and the Inuit. 
20th century archaeology work in King William Island later confirmed that the members of the Franklin expedition resorted to cannibalism. In 1855, when Dickens's good friend and liberal MP Austin Henry Layard formed an administrative reform association to demand significant reforms of Parliament, Dickens joined and volunteered his resources in support of Layard's cause, with the exception of Lord John Russell, who was the only leading politician in whom Dickens had any faith, and to whom he later dedicated A Tale of Two Cities. Dickens believed that the political aristocracy and their incompetence were the death of England. When he and Laird were accused of fomenting class conflict, Dickens replied that the classes were already in opposition, and the fault was with the aristocratic class. Dickens used his pulpit and household words to champion the Reform Association. He also commented on foreign affairs, declaring his support for Giuseppe Garibaldi and Giuseppe Mazzini, helping raise funds for their campaigns and stating that a united Italy would be of vast importance to the peace of the world and would be a rock in Louis Napoleon's way, and that I feel for Italy almost as if I were an Italian born. Dickens also published dozens of writings and household words supporting vaccination, including multiple laudations for vaccine pioneer Edward Jenner. Following the Indian Mutiny of 1857, Dickens joined in the widespread criticism of the East India Company for its role in the event, but reserved his fury for Indians wishing that he was the commander-in-chief in India so that he would be able to do my utmost to exterminate the race upon whom the stain of the late cruelties rested. In 1857, Dickens hired professional actresses for The Frozen Deep, written by him and his protege, Wilkie Collins. Dickens fell in love with one of the actresses, Ellen Turnin, and this passion was to last the rest of his life. In 1858, when Dickens was 45 and Turnin 18, divorce was nearly unthinkable for someone as famous as he was. After publicly accusing Catherine of not loving their children and suffering from a mental disorder, statements that disgusted his contemporaries, including Elizabeth Barrett Browning, Dickens attempted to have Catherine institutionalized, when this scheme failed, they separated. When Catherine left, never to see her husband again, she took with her one child, leaving the other children to be raised by her sister, Georgina, who chose to stay at Gad's Hill. During this period, whilst pondering a project to give public readings for his own profit, Dickens was approached through a charitable appeal by Great Ormond Street Hospital to help it survive its first major financial crisis, his Dropping Buds essay in Household Words earlier on 3 April 1852 was considered by the hospital's founders to have been the catalyst for the hospital's success. Dickens, whose philanthropy was well known, was asked by his friend, the hospital's founder Charles West, to preside over the appeal, and he threw himself into the task heart and soul. Dickens's public reading secured sufficient funds for an endowment to put the hospital on sound financial footing, one reading on 9 February 1858 alone raised 3,000 pounds. After separating from Catherine, Dickens undertook a series of hugely popular and remunerative reading tours, which, together with his journalism, were to absorb most of his creative energies for the next decade, in which he was to write only two more novels. His first reading tour lasted from April 1858 to February 1859, consisted of 129 appearances in 49 towns throughout England, Scotland, and Ireland. Dickens's continued fascination with the theatrical world was written into the theater scenes in Nicholas Nickleby, but more importantly, he found an outlet in public readings. 
1866, he undertook a series of public readings in England and Scotland, with more the following year in England and Ireland. Other works soon followed, including A Tale of Two Cities, 1859, and Great Expectations, 1861, which were resounding successes. Set in London and Paris, A Tale of Two Cities is his best-known work of historical fiction— and includes the famous opening sentence which begins with, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It is regularly cited as one of the best-selling novels of all time. Themes and great expectations include wealth and poverty, love and rejection, and the eventual triumph of good over evil. In early September 1860, in a field behind Gad's Hill, Dickens made a bonfire of most of his correspondence. Only those letters on business matters were spared since Ellen Ternan also destroyed all of his letters to her. The extent of the affair between the two remained speculative. In the 1930s, Thomas Wright recounted that Ternan had unburdened herself to a canon Benham and gave currency to rumors they had been lovers. That the two had a son who died in infancy was alleged by Dickens's daughter, Kate Perugini, whom Gladys Story had interviewed before her death in 1929. Story published her account in Dickens and Daughter, but no contemporary evidence exists. On his death, Dickens settled an annuity on Ternan, which made her financially independent. Claire Tomlin's book, The Invisible Woman, argues that Ternan lived with Dickens secretly for the last 13 years of his life. The book was subsequently turned into a play, Little Nell by Simon Gray, and a 2013 film. During the same period, Dickens furthered his interest in the paranormal— becoming one of the early members of the Ghost Club. In June 1862, he was offered £10,000 for a reading tour of Australia. He was enthusiastic and even planned a travel book, The Uncommercial Traveler Upside Down, but ultimately decided against the tour. Two of his sons, Alfred Dorsey, Tennyson Dickens, and Edward Bulwer-Lytton Dickens migrated to Australia, Edward becoming a member of the Parliament of New South Wales as member of Wilcania between 1889 and 1894. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books behind the story today, while we answered some of the questions you have about one of your favorite classic authors. Again, my name is Bree Carlisle, and I hope you come back next time when we answer more questions about one of your favorite classic authors. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Check out the show notes or our website, biteatatimebooks.com, for the links for our show.